Thank you, Brother Jesse, all our musicians and singers. Praise the Lord. Oh, that last song, that's a great song. And it's very fitting to today's topic. In fact, it's very fitting to the theme that we've been inside of in Romans. Yes, we've been going over a series called the Book of Romans, but for the last few weeks we've looked at sort of a mini-series in the Book of Romans called Unity with Christ and all that that means. So today, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to pick up with chapter 7. We're going to read today verse 1 to 6. We've been talking about unity with Christ. Paul has given us some illustrations already about what Jesus has done for us and what it means to be delivered. And today we're going to look at another illustration about a marriage. And so if you'll find that, in fact, before we actually read that, let me just remind you that in the back of the sanctuary at the table, there's already a few young people sitting there and my wife who thinks she's a young person. Uh, there's a few young people there. After church today, this is our last time trying to raise money uh, for the youth. And so if you're uh, in the mood to eat some really good food from muffins to garlic bread to garlic sticks to cookies, they'll be in the back. You can uh, purchase them in the back and all the funds that are being collected are going directly to the church for our youth group ministry. Uh, so thank you for the past couple of weeks for all of you that have not only bought some of the items, but you've given more than what was required and we are certainly appreciative of that. Thank you for your sacrifice and for your support for our young people. Romans chapter 7, let's stand together. I'm going, going to begin at verse 1, again until verse 6. Paul says, Or do you not know, brethren? For I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if, while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. So today we're picking up on the theme, Unity with Christ. And today, specifically, we are looking at an old marriage. An old marriage. First of all, let me bring you back to a verse that we went over in Romans chapter 5. Verse 10, if you'll recall what this says, it's, For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, 
having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In other words, we were enemies of God. Nothing better than that. We were enemies of God. And Paul is saying that if the death of Jesus Christ brought us to peace with God, if that's how wonderful the death of Christ is for us, that it brings us to peace in, with God, imagine what the life of Christ can do for you. For if we were reconciled, brought to peace with God through the death of Jesus, all oh, then much more, we shall be saved by his life. Praise God. Now when I read that verse to you, what does that mean to you? Does that have any effect upon your heart today? Do you hear those words or read those words and say, yeah, I know that. Yeah, of course, I've heard that before. Or when you hear those words, perhaps yet again, does it cause you to say, oh, what a great God we have. Oh, what a Savior we have. And yes, His death has brought me to peace with God. And because He lives forevermore, I shall be saved. Praise the Lord. Is there joy? Is there gladness that fills your heart because of such truth? I pray that it does. Because Paul has been reminding us, encouraging us to not only know these things to be true, but to reckon them in your life. To say yes to them and then to live in that truth. And we live in that truth when we begin to just simply yield ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, have your way. I belong to you. My life is given to me because of you. And I pray that that's your attitude today. We've been talking about unity with Christ. That we have been united in his death, in his burial, and also in his resurrection. That just as he lived a new life to God, so we also should live in newness of life. We should have a new life today. We are not who we used to be. Unity with Christ. You know, there is great power in this unity. A great power. There's great power at the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's the power to set us free. Set us free because the Bible says that before Christ, we were slaves of sin. And all we did was sin. We offered ourselves over to the master sin and we did whatever sin led us to do. That's all we could do. That's what we were. But Jesus saved us from that life. And now we are given a new master called Jesus Christ. And we no longer follow the old ways of sin. We are to follow Jesus. And when we come to the cross of Christ, there is power there is power to leave that old life and follow the Lord Jesus. And so we talked about already that as we are united with Christ, we are delivered, number one, from the old man or the old woman, the person we used to be. That person is gone. We are dead to that person. And now we live a new life in Christ. Not only has he delivered us from the old man, but also the old master, just as he delivered Israel out of the bondage and slavery of Egypt, and then he destroyed those enemies so that his people could walk free 
never to be afraid of them again. Even so, God in delivering us has destroyed the power of Satan. He has destroyed the power of sin and the dominion of sin over you. The Bible says you shall not let sin rule over you anymore. It is no longer your master. Jesus is. So he's delivered us from the old man, delivered us from the old master, and today we learn he has delivered us from an old marriage. An old marriage. And as we'll read again today, we'll talk about that illustration that Paul uses and how it relates to our salvation life. When it comes to marriage, especially in the Bible, the Bible uses that illustration a lot to explain our relationship with Jesus. Even in the Old Testament, and certainly many times through the New Testament, our relationship with the Lord is likened to the covenant relationship between man and woman. Just as God commanded that the two would become one, even so, we come to Christ and we are united in, with Him in a wonderful marriage covenant. In the New Testament, yes, John the Baptist said his ministry was to bring the people to their bridegroom, which was Jesus. And now that they have come to Jesus, it was time for John the Baptist, who is like the best friend of the bridegroom, to step away. Because now the bride is united with the bridegroom. Paul also teaches us, like in the book of Ephesians, as husbands, we are to love our wives just as Christ loves the church and gave his life for her. In the New Testament, the church is likened to the bride of Christ. We also see it in Revelation that when we're all in heaven, clothed with white robes, singing the praises of the Lord, we are called the body of Christ and we're also called the bride of Christ. And do you know that one day, Jesus, the bridegroom, is coming back to bring his bride home to be with him. The way that Jesus spoke about his love for his people, he spoke exactly like a bridegroom speaks to his bride. Like when Jesus says, I'm going away to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you shall also be with me. That's exactly what a bridegroom would say to his bride in the Jewish culture. That he would go back to his father's home, build them a house, and on a day when she wouldn't know it, he would suddenly come, pick her up, and take her home. Jesus spoke in this way. The New Testament shows us these things, and even in the Old Testament we see this. One of my favorite examples is from the book Song of Songs, or called Song of Solomon. The Bible says that Solomon, King Solomon wrote more than a thousand songs. But this song that you find in your Old Testament is called the Song of Songs, the greatest of them all. And it's the story of a king who is a shepherd and a king who falls in love with a woman and then he brings her to be with him and they are united together. And a lot of that book in the Bible is an illustration of the believer's life with Christ. And what I love about that book, Song of Songs, it begins with the woman who represents us. And she says these words, I am dark but lovely. She was dark because she worked outside all day. 
under the hot sun of Israel, and it burned her skin and it darkened her. But all the rich and the prosperous women of Israel didn't want that to happen to them. They always stood under the shade. They wanted their skin as light as possible so that when they would see this woman, dark as she was, they would maybe separate themselves from her or stare at her or gossip about her or say other things about her. This woman in Song of Songs says, I'm dark, but I'm lovely. Why is she lovely? Because she knows the king is in love with her. And she knows that she's being brought into unity with that king. And so she doesn't care what people think about her. She is loved by her king. And then in chapter 2, she says, he takes me into his banqueting hall where all the people of Israel would be, all the royalty, all the rich, all the famous, all the beautiful. And yet the king brings this woman that he loves into the banqueting hall and maybe the people stare at her and wonder, why are you here? You don't belong here. And yet she says, when he sits me down, I look up and there's a banner over my seat. And it says, this is the one that I love. And before all the people, the king wanted to make sure they all know, this is the one that I love. His banner over me is love. Spiritually speaking, you may be here today in church and you feel dark. Not because of the sun, but because of sin. And maybe you feel your life has become darkened recently. And maybe you sit here and you look around you and you see people who are maybe not as dark as you might be. And you may feel embarrassed. You may feel ashamed. You may feel guilty where you are right now. But if you would just look up, there's a banner waving over you, and it says, this is the one that I love. Amen? Jesus is our bridegroom, and we are the bride, and he loves us with an everlasting love. So continuing on with that illustration of marriage, this is what Paul is now going to use. And he's going to use it because now Paul is going to teach us that the Lord has delivered us from the law, the law of God which is a proof to you that you're guilty of sin. And Paul is going to talk about what the Christian's relationship is now with the law of God. Something's changed. Something new has happened. And we're going to see that today. Now, if you look at the verses that we just read for today, verses 1 to 6, when I read these verses this past week, I noticed that there are three words, at least in my Bible translation, that begin with the letter D. And these three words are going to form our outline today. The three words are dominion, death, and deliverance. And as we're going to see in today's outline, here it is. Number one, Paul's going to talk about the dominion of the law. Number two, death to the law. And last, number three, deliverance from the law. Now let's enter into this together. And let's see how this life with Christ is likened to a brand new marriage. Let's begin with the dominion of the law. Verse 1. Do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man for how long? As long as he 
lives. This dominion, it's, it's also, we can perhaps say it's a dominion of sin as well because the law, it actually amplifies the sin in your life. It actually points it out to you and you become more aware of just how sinful you are. It never ceases to amaze me that even if I talk to an unbeliever who doesn't believe anything about the Bible, I can still talk to them about the Ten Commandments. And even if they say things like, there's no God, or I don't believe in your God, or I don't believe in the Bible, when we talk about the Ten Commandments, I've never met anybody that at the end of that conversation that doesn't actually feel guilty because they know they're sinners. They'll say whatever they want. They'll, they'll claim to believe in all kinds of things, but when you talk about the law of God, the Ten Commandments, people know. They know. They may not admit it. They may not tell you about it, but they know they are guilty of sin. That's exactly what the law does. It has dominion over you, and it's a constant reminder that you're a sinner, that you deserve judgment and condemnation. That's what the law does for us. And you know, how fitting was it that when God gave that law to Moses on Mount Sinai, how fitting was it that God made sure that that mountain was shaking, that there was smoke and fire covering that mountain, that there were strange loud noises coming from it because it terrorized the people. They didn't want get, to get anywhere near that mountain. They were afraid of what they saw and what they heard. And when we think about the law, it's almost like that dark cloud over us, a constant reminder that we all fall short of the glory of God, that we are all sinners deserving of condemnation. That law on Mount Sinai, God was declaring his holy anger against sin. And when they left Sinai, they weren't leaving Sinai thinking, okay, well, everything's all right now. No, that law stayed with them and it reminded them how sinful they were. Under that law, God told the people to receive forgiveness and a pardon for your sins. I require sacrifice. And so you know that every day, not just during special feasts or celebrations, but every day, Animals were slaughtered and their blood sprinkled upon the altars and poured out for the forgiveness of sin. And you know the thing about that? God even commanded that the fire of that altar that would burn the sacrifice, that fire would never be quenched. It would never, ever go out. Because every day of every year, from generation to generation, Sin abounded. Sin abounded. And every day there must be sacrifice and blood and fire. And every day the people were reminded, we are sinners. And God is angry against our sin. That's what the law did for them. Now with what we already talked about with being united with Christ, if we were delivered by the old man, from the old man, do you remember how we were delivered? How were we delivered from that old man? Do you remember? It's one word. Death. We died to the old man. 
And then we talked about the master. I'll ask you again, how did we overcome? How were we delivered from the old master? Death. Because we died to the old master. Okay? So then, let me ask you this. How is God going to deliver us now from the dominion of the law and the condemnation that it brings upon us? How can we be delivered from it? Through death. And that's where this illustration comes in. Paul says in verse 2, a woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she's released from the law of her husband. Now that probably doesn't come a shock to any of you. Even for those of you who have never been married, you know this to be true. Now I don't know exactly how the words go in Bahasa, in Indonesian marriages, but I know that in all the marriages I've been a part of in America, or the ones that are in English, for those of you that, for those of you that have been married, do you remember the words, you, you say your vows, you make your promises, and it ends with, till death do us part. Did you say those kinds of words? Maybe the minister said to you something like, will you take her to be your wife? And then he ends it with, till death do you part. Do you know why we say that? Because that's the only thing in God's eyes that should bring an end to a marriage. Death is the only thing that can break a covenant, even one that is so strong like a marriage. It's the very first covenant God ever made in the book of Genesis. And the only thing in God's eyes that should break that covenant is in the death of a husband or a wife. So that if a husband or a wife dies, the other is now free to one day marry again, if they should so choose. Till death do you part. Again, in God's eyes, now Paul is not necessarily giving us a lesson about marriage. He does do that throughout the New Testament. He's not trying to give us lessons about marriage, although we do see that number one, according to God, in God's eyes, when two are married, in God's eyes, only death, only death should separate those two. And I think when we ponder upon that, it should remind us all to take marriage very seriously because God does. There are so many people in this world, the state that I come from in America, 50% of people who get married in Delaware get divorced. And divorce plagues every culture, every nation. And where there is divorce, there is a breakdown of family. And when there is a breakdown of a family, there's a breakdown of society. God, in God's eyes, marriage is of utmost importance in our human life to unite ourselves to another. Anytime I've been in, involved with counseling, with a marriage that's going through a difficult time, and I've heard a lot of difficulties, a lot of bad things have happened in marriages. And when we talk about what should happen, or maybe advice, or counsel, or prayer, the one thing I, as a minister, the one thing I never put on the table as an option 
is divorce. I never give that as an option. Now, it hasn't always worked because unfortunately, people still do get divorced. But even so, we always minister to everyone. If someone is divorced, they are not cast out of our church fellowship. Amen? And there is forgiveness for all. Because again, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Even so, that husband or that wife that you have right now, you are committed till death do you part. So then, Paul says, if while her husband lives, the wife goes and finds another man, marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from the law. And that she's not going to become an adulteress, though she is married another man. Now what Paul is also saying here, it's not simply that a woman can get sick of her husband and just go and find another husband. No. We are not to add spouses. We are not to include new spouses into our marriage, even though there are some religions that do allow for this to happen. Even so, God makes it very clear and very simple that marriage is something that He created. He designed it. So who gets to tell us how a marriage works? Is it not God? And according to God, it is one man, one woman, who are joined together as one. And anything that is added to that is called adultery. One man, one woman, united. So Paul is saying the only thing that is meant to bring an end to that kind of covenant is death. So what does that have to do with us here today? Just as before Christ, as Paul described us, we were crooked in our nature. We were rebellious against God. We wandered off our own ways. We walked the path of sin, leading to judgment and condemnation. Sin ruled over us, and we were married to the law and constantly reminded we're sinners, we're condemned, and we deserve the wrath of God. It had dominion over us as a constant reminder of that judgment and condemnation of our sin. So Paul is now saying the only thing that can break you from that strong covenant of the law is through death. Someone must die to be released from that condemnation that the law brings. And that brings us to point number two, death to the law. Verse four, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Notice this. God is not calling us to divorce ourselves from our old life. God's not calling you to divorce yourself from the old way. He's calling you to die 
from the old way. Not divorce, die. He's not looking, Jesus isn't looking to be added as another husband in your life, but to be the one and only husband in your life. And the only way that can work is for you to die. Death must come to the covenant that you have with the law. And then when death comes, you are free to marry another. And I want you to see how certain this is. Once again, look how Paul writes these words. You also have become dead to the law. It's happened. You died. When? The moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ. The moment your life surrendered to him, you died to the old man. You died to the old master. And praise God, you died to the old marriage. And now you live for him. Now, it can be a little confusing here, if it's not already, and I hope it's not. But if you try to take the illustration and try to perfectly fit it into what we have with Christ, you're going to find it doesn't quite work. Here's why. In the illustration that Paul is showing, it's the wife who lives and the husband who dies. And in that illustration, we're the wife and the law and its condemnation is the husband. But what happens in reality? That husband doesn't die. The law doesn't die. It's we who die. And I believe God would have it such a way. Because how can we be married to a new husband if we died? Only if we die and are risen back to life again. Remember, this is what happens in your unity with Christ. You died, you were buried, and you were raised to brand new life. And it's exactly what God does for us. So now that we die to the law and its condemnation, we come through that burial to live a brand new life, and we find ourselves united to a brand new husband, and his name is Jesus. Do you remember that day? Do you remember the moment that took place in your life? Do you remember the moment when the Holy Spirit began to move upon your heart to convict you of your sin and then to lead you to Jesus Christ? Do you remember that? When the Holy Spirit said to you, will you take this man as Savior? Will you take him for richer or for poorer? In sickness, and in health? Will you take him for better or for worse? For now and for all eternity to come. How many of you said, I will? Amen? And we entered into an everlasting covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, we're not divorced to the old life. We're dead to the old life. We are dead to that old life and now united with Christ. And now Jesus says, just as he says about marriage, Jesus says, therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. He meant that for marriage between husband and wife. But how much more true is that for the one who is united to Christ? No man 
shall separate you from Jesus. Amen? Jesus himself said, no one can snatch you away from me. Paul is going to say at the end of chapter 8 in Romans that no one and nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. This is an everlasting covenant in unity with Christ. And now his life is within us. It is true that God, through Jesus, Jesus gave his life for us at the cross. And today he gives his life to us. It's his life. Like when Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. The life that flows through you to be fruitful for God is the life of Christ flowing in you. His life in us. This is how we produce fruit that glorifies God. Only through the life of Jesus. We cannot bear fruit of honor, of righteousness, and of holiness to God apart from Jesus. It will not work. You cannot please God apart from Christ. There's nothing you can do to be saved but to be united with Christ. There's nothing you can do to make God smile upon your life apart from being united with Christ. Amen? So just as a husband and wife come together, and if God should bless them, they are fruitful in having children, we come to union with Christ, and we grow the fruits of holiness and righteousness and honor to God. And last, number three, we look at this deliverance from the law. Verse 5, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Remember, members means your body. The things that you do, the things that you say, it's you, your person, your body. And the Bible says that at one time, we lived according to those sinful passions. And the only thing we did was bear the fruits of sin that lead to death. That's it. That's all. It's as though the seed of sinful desires and lust, it's deep within us. And when the law comes, it's like raining upon our life and producing fruits of sin. You know, there's something about the law that brought the worst out of us. Next time we go to Romans, we'll talk about why that is. But when the law came, when we were acknowledging the law, it didn't make us better. It actually makes us worse than we were before. Simply trying to just live by the law cannot save you. It won't save you, and you cannot please God. You cannot just simply be a person that walks around with a checklist and say, okay, today I'm going to work on this part of the law. Tomorrow I'll work on that. You cannot please God like that. It will not work. Under the dominion of law and its condemnation, all we produce is sin leading to death. But in the last verse it says, but now... Now we have been delivered 
from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. You notice in this verse, that word serve is there, that we should serve God. We are always to serve God. But the only way you can truly serve God is by being united with Jesus Christ. We're still called to serve God, but this time, with Christ, we're in a brand new relationship. We're working with a brand new power from heaven. And we're not just simply following the letters of the law. No, the Spirit of God is within us. And the Spirit of God is stirring us up to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me just show you something here. Paul says we are not living by the letter of the law, but by the newness of the Spirit. Do you know what those two things look like? There's an example in the Bible of people who just simply try to live by the law. They think that if they can follow the Ten Commandments, they will be saved. And a lot of times Jesus spoke to these people. And a lot of times they're called Pharisees. And they try to, at least outwardly, appear to live according to God's law. But you know that when Jesus spoke to them in the Gospels, we find out two things about these people. Jesus said it himself. Like in John chapter 5, he says, first of all, to these people, you do not have the love of God in you. There is no love of God in your life. And then we find out in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says to them, you don't know justice, you don't have mercy, and you are not faithful. In other words, you have no love for your neighbor. So people who are simply just trying to follow the law and be saved by it, they had no love for God and they had no love for people. And Paul has already told us that no one is justified by the law. The law cannot save you. And also the law cannot produce love in you. And that's what God wants to build up in your life. That's exactly what God wants to stir up in your life. To love Him with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. The only way that can happen is by the Holy Spirit living in you. By the Spirit of God living in Christ, the newness of the Spirit. He stirs up love for God and He stirs up in your heart love for one another. And so we have been delivered from trying to gain God's attention through the law. It won't work. We must die. We must die. And once we die to the law, that power of condemnation, no longer, no longer are you condemned. And now if that sounds too good to be true, let me just give you a, a preview about chapter 8, verse 1. Paul says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In Christ you died, and you live again in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is with you today. And He stirs up in you something that you didn't have before. And that's love for God. You realize on one hand how much God loves you. 
And the more you grow in Christ, the more you want to demonstrate just how much you love the Lord. As Jesus would say to Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And that love in Peter's life would build more and more until Peter was willing to die on a cross for Jesus. Musicians, would you come? Brother Jesse, would you come? Let me just close today's sermon with this. Believing in Jesus, we have died to an old man or an old woman. We have died to an old master. And we have died to an old marriage. And now we are alive in him through Him, to Him, and for Him. We belong to Jesus. Amen? One more time, let me read this verse for you. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Once again, brothers and sisters, hear me. If you are wondering and you're afraid that you are no longer saved, listen to what the Bible says. You shall be saved by his life. As long as Jesus lives, we are saved who are united with him. And the last time I checked, Jesus lives forever and ever and ever. And the salvation that we have received follows likewise. It is eternal forever and ever and ever. And I pray that this small series has been a blessing to you. To never look back again. To never go back again. But to continue on a new life with Christ. As he teaches you to be a new person as he teaches you that he is now your Lord and Master, and that also you are married to him in a covenant that shall not be broken. Amen. Can we stand together? And as we sing this song together about the power of the cross of Christ, let this just be a moment that as you sing, just be filled with thanksgiving about all that Jesus has done for you. Amen.